0: Jonathan, it's so great to be with you, as always. How are you doing? Yes. <laughs> yes, it is. Oh, I'm doing fine. Good. <laughs> I'm glad.
1: <laughs> this, is, uh, this is wild. This is my first, I guess, this week's and next week's episode will be my unemployment episodes, because it will be the two episodes that are released between jobs, as I'm getting ready to move and start a new job in Richmond at VCU in... Uh, At the end of January So welcome to Fun Employment, Seth (laughs) Fun Employment, Jonathan's on the show this week
0: I'm excited for Fun Employment But I have a question for you What would you do in this particular situation? If you lived to be 99 years old And 348 days Would you want to be remembered as being 99 years old or 100 years old because you can include the 24 leap days that you lived through (laughs) first off
1: r.i.p betty white because this feels like it hits way too close to home betty white who died at age 99 and everyone was like no that's too soon (laughs) okay so i would definitely say 99 Because I'm just not buying the whole leap day thing. Because those leap days were part of the years that you already lived through. You don't get to count them twice. You might as well just say, yeah, I'm 100 because there were 52 Mondays in (laughs) 1943. (laughs) Like, that's basically the same argument that you're making. And I don't buy it. So 99.
0: Okay, that's fair. This reminds me of my all-time favorite court case, too. In Texas, a young man was cited for underage drinking just before his 21st birthday. So they they argued in court that they believed life began at conception, and therefore he was actually over 21. But they lost that case. (laughs) This is an example of someone who has too much money to burn <laughs> on legal fees. Yes. I think I'm with you. You can't you leap years, the leap years that Betty White lived through are already counted in her 99.9 years and she didn't quite make it to 100, which is sad, but Yeah, regardless, we got more Betty White than we deserve. <laughs> I saw a People magazine at the grocery store today that was like a Betty white 100 year old birthday magazine oh. like right on the cover. And I was just like oh, rest in peace, Betty. For sure. Okay. Well, this isn't this admittedly has nothing to do with our text, but I felt like we had to talk about Betty. Fair.
1: Well, let's see if Betty is with us in good humor and good conversation as I go ahead and read 1 Corinthians chapter 12 verses 1 through 11 from the New Revised Standard Version Now concerning spiritual gifts brothers and sisters I do not want you to be uninformed You know that when you were pagans you were enticed and led astray to idols that could not speak Therefore I want you to understand that no one speaking by the spirit of God ever says let Jesus be cursed and no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except by the Holy Spirit. Now, there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of services, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who activates all of them in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. To one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom.
0: just as the spirit chooses. This is a pretty classic text. But is there anything that jumped out at you when you were reading that for us?
1: Well, the first one is just a little nitpicky from verse 1 when Paul writes, "I do not want you to be uninformed." <laughs> I was like, "Why why the double negative, Paul?" <laughs> <laughs> that came to mind as I was reading. More significantly, though, I'm just thinking about how the idea of spiritual gifts has been utilized in my own faith journey. Hmm. Not necessarily with my own spiritual gifts, but more so how spiritual gifts are talked about and reflected in communities I've been a part of. And it's been interesting thing about communities where I've been, where this list and the others like it throughout scripture comprise the extent Of spiritual gifts Hmm. Hmm. for some communities whereas others might be a little bit more open in recognizing additional gifts beyond what's listed in certain passages of Scripture and so I've worshipped in Pentecostal communities more charismatic communities that might interpret these passages a little bit differently than you and I might now but it it is curious to me how even in all of that, even in recognizing different ways that we recognize these spiritual gifts. There's kind of a, there's a antidote to that in this text, saying that there are varieties of gifts and services and activities, but
0: the same spirit. And I have a, a different perspective on this passage because while I'm familiar with it as a text, I'm not really that familiar with it kind of in practice or hearing about it from the pulpit or even hearing about it like in Sunday school, like as Lutherans, the idea of spiritual gifts that are that are like ecstatic or like really charismatic. Like that's like, that's so far into people who are, like love the hymnal. So this is like feels out of my wheelhouse. But I think it's helpful to me to be reminded of the way that these gifts can manifest. I think sometimes I have a a skepticism when I see people exercise like specifically the gift of speaking in tongues. I'm oh like God. But this is a reminder that that is a legitimate gift that's given by God, but that we can exercise it only when it's appropriate and only kind of for the common good right so that's helpful to for me at least when i think about it is there anything else that stuck out to you well just to respond to
1: that that thought seth yeah you know i having worshipped in communities where speaking in tongues is more common it's been interesting to experience it and experience it in ways where it was like kind of in the spirit of this passage where it was in line. The experience was like in line with kind of the other gifts that were being exercised in that community space and other times when it totally wasn't. (laughs) And it was, I think the curious thing about it was how the pastor was very hospitable to that experience Mm -hmm. in Like, being very tactful in explaining what happened to folks who maybe never experienced it before. Because it's just kind of a strange thing. You know, it's not something that normally happens in large gatherings, right? Yeah. But But it's interesting. I think for communities that experience that, they often are well served by taking these passages seriously. By saying... You know, the spirit's not going to interrupt the spirit. Hmm, Yeah. Right? Like, the spirit working through someone speaking in tongues is not going to contradict the spirit at work through someone else exercising their spiritual gift. And so that that has kind of helped to kind of open my eyes to saying, that might not be my gift or a gift that is part of my community, you know, now worshipping in one kind of describing just similar description to what you said, but it doesn't mean
0: that because it's not my experience that it's not valid. Yeah, that was, that was helpful. That's for me, something that I need to keep reminding myself only because for me, it seems so foreign that I come with it with some sort of skepticism. But I think that just like you said, like that's a valid expression of the spiritual gifts that, that people have been given. What's so fascinating to me is that we've been talking about the gift of speaking in tongues. Out of all the gifts that are in this passage, that's right. the one that has jumped out to us. And most scholars think that that's also true in Corinth at the time. That Paul writes this letters to them, and he doesn't want them to be uninformed, just like you were talking about so but,
1: he wants them to be in full
0: exactly he <laughs> exactly but paul has seen in the community that people are prizing speaking in tongues over all these other gifts like that's the one that everybody wants and like that's the one that gets mm-hmm. them the most attention and that's the one that's seen as the best gift there's like there's almost like a hierarchy of spiritual gifts that's forming and Paul writes this to try and clear some of that up. It's like, no, 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 no. There are varieties of services, but they're all from God. There's lots of different activities, but it's the same God who activates them. They're all activated by the same spirit. You know, this is all one level playing field. All that to say it's so fascinating that we did what I think The people in Corinth did too. We were like, oh, speaking in tongues, that like, let's talk about that. And then Paul offers us a corrective. But I've been thinking about this passage maybe a little bit more generally. And not just about speaking in tongues, but about speaking in general. About the way that we choose our words. The way that we use our words to edify people or to tear them down. The way that we take our time to explain things to people clearly. And I think, especially as podcasters, the way that we use our words is like of the utmost importance, right? This is what people get from us. They don't get to see us, they just have our words to listen to. So I've been thinking about that. And I wondered how do you think, this is a big question, how do you think about your words? maybe i'll say it this way when you go to sit down in front of your microphone to do this podcast like how do you think about the words you're gonna say do they just come to you do you plan them out do they come one at a time like they do for me sometimes
1: well i think admittedly
0: seth it depends on the week (laughs) that's okay
1: (laughs) And as, as a clergy person who doesn't preach regularly, I think this is the closest I get to, like, the struggle of the regularity of putting together some sort of proclamation, right? Of thinking about the words that I want to say are important, and I want to be careful and craft something. And sometimes that comes more easily, and other times it's a real challenge, But at the same time, the format of our podcast where, you know, sometimes I prepare, sometimes you prepare, and we're responding if we haven't prepared. You know, I also, like I do now, like I feel, I also feel really comfortable in that space of more so being in conversation rather than being in presentation mode. Kind (laughs) of. And I think, I think we strike a balance there. But for me, there's there's just been a a shift for me as I've thought about this over time. Hmm. Because in high school and college, when I first started preaching, I was under the impression that the Holy Spirit was only at work through your words Hmm. when you were preaching spontaneously.
0: Hmm.
1: The Holy Spirit couldn't be moving when you were reading. (laughs) And and I, I don't think I could think any more differently now <laughs> <laughs> but it, it, w- it was a slow shift over time that recognizes what does it mean for the spirit to be at work and i think this passage sheds a little light on that that sure the spirit might be at work as you're presenting and or preaching or having a conversation and an idea comes to you a moment of wisdom or you know connection of ideas comes to you that just really hits home with the people where you are it could also mean that you're really charismatic and have the ability to you know work a crowd or stir up emotion (laughs) and it's hard to discern the difference I also believe the spirit shows up when you're digging into the commentary When you're crafting the sentence for the 7th, 8th, ninth, umpteenth time, to try to get the wording just right. Because I think we see here that the Spirit is with us in every exercise of the things that we do for the building up of our community. Hmm. Things that we do, as it says in verse 7, for the common good. And so whether that is out front, whether that's the speaking in tongues, the stuff that we prize or value just based on prestige or privilege in one way or another, or if it's the stuff that happens behind the scenes that sustains the ongoing work of the church,
0: it is one spirit and it's valuable. I've used this before when I've kind of been like teaching about this passage and I wish for the, the life of me, I could remember who said it. But I think about 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14 as an Oreo cookie. Like you get 12, where Paul talks about spiritual gifts. He lays out all these gifts, how to use them, what that might look like. And then in 13, you'll get the classic love passage that everybody reads at their wedding. And then in 14, he's back to spiritual gifts. And it seems like that's kind of a random construction. Like, oh, we're talking about spiritual gifts. and Now we're talking about love being the best. Now we're back to spiritual gifts. But I think one way to think about it is that the love is always what bridles and dictates how we use our spiritual gifts. Right? Like that's what directs them toward the common good. It's like the criterion for whether we're using it correctly. See, we're talking about being present in a community in which someone was speaking in tongues and it didn't really seem like it fit the context. Like, I guess the question there is like, is this being done in love? Like when we interrupt the spirit that's already working and moving, is that being done out of love? But I think this idea that we have to use these gifts not for ourselves, not to build up ourselves and get get a lot of attention, like especially speaking in tongues can do, but but the other gifts too. But that we always have to use them like for others. The reason that God gives us spiritual gifts is for others. Maybe that's like one way I need to think about every every single thing that I say. Like is this is this actually for others? Or is this like is this sometimes for me? Like, is this joke for me, or is this joke for others? Am I doing this podcast episode for me, which I hope not, or am I doing this for others? I don't know if you can do a podcast episode for yourself. Sorry, to be honest, I'm sure. I'm sure we can. I'm sure plenty of people do. Maybe our Christmas spectacular. Yeah, <laughs> be the closest.
1: Yeah, I'm I'm just thinking of another another passage in Ephesians chapter 4. That's another spiritual gifts type of passage. Paul also writes, all these gifts are to equip the saints for the work of ministry. You know, to, as you say, it's not for us, but it's for God's people. And that's not to say, and I think we'll get a little bit into this next week, it's not to say that we are forgotten in that process, that we are sacrificed for the greater good, but that our greatest good contributes to the common good. Hmm. That by living into that full expression of ourselves, we are contributing to the full expression of our community.
0: And that is good. <laughs> yeah, that's a helpful point. That, that, that using our spiritual gifts doesn't in some way diminish us. But neither should we use it as some sort of like self-aggrandizement. Yeah, it's so interesting for me to think about like the ways that we use our speech specifically. Because I've been, I've had the opportunity to preach a little more lately. And it's like whenever I do that, which isn't very often, it's like a, I feel a holy trepidation to do it. I don't know how to explain it, like a fear that I hope what I say is edifying. And I hope that I don't sling words yet too quickly. I'm not I hope I'm not in the pulpit using it as like a punching bag. But I'm I'm there lifting people up and showing how God's at work in their lives and what God has already done for them. Well, next week we're going to pick up with the passage that's immediately after this. Is that right, Jonathan? That's right. We'll jump We'll jump ahead a little bit, talking a little bit
1: about the body of Christ. Uh, just because it's a long reading next week, we're just going to focus more towards the tail end of the chapter. But I'm excited to see how those things connect. But I think before we close out this conversation seth i think it would be really good for us to pray for an awareness of the spirit in what we do especially in our words i
0: appreciated your emphasis on that thanks jonathan i'd love to pray for us before we go grace-filled god you give us many and various gifts to use on others behalf Help us to count our speech among the gifts that edify. Encourage us to choose our words carefully and forgive us when we don't. We pray this through your incarnate word, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen.
1: Thanks everyone for tuning in. We're so glad that you're part of this community that we get to be a part of too. As we already talked about next week, we're going to keep going in First Corinthians 12 and talk about the body of Christ. But thanks
0: for walking us through that story, Seth. Thanks for using your gift of speech to help me tell it.
1: I just watched the episode uh, of SNL that Betty White hosted <laughs> in 2010 when she was 88 years old. And she still was way better than most of the hosts.
0: <laughs> Apparently she got a anyway. standing ovation at the after party. Who's the yeah. only person to have ever, ever get that. Yeah. she was in.
1: She was in like every sketch too. Like when I'm 88, I just hope I don't fall asleep on the toilet. You know, like I don't have high expectations for 88 year old Jonathan if I even make it there. Anyways, RIP Betty White.